We find ourselves today in the Gospel of Matthew, the 20th chapter, Jesus again telling a parable to his disciples. Hear these words. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed them to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around, and he asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long, doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he said, he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give you, I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first. And the first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Ever equipping God as I speak, may you increase and I decrease. May the words you have given me for this message be seeds that rest upon our hearts, that we might bear fruit for you here on earth. May I be bold and courageous in speaking what it is you've given me to speak. And may we as your people have ears that hear. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the most famous line kids ever say. The most famous line kids ever say. Invariably. No matter how you treat a situation, especially involving kids, whether they're getting candy or cookies or goodies or whatever they're getting to do, if one kid doesn't get to do what the other kid gets to do, do you know what they're going to say? That's not fair. And how many of us who are adults who have been kids and have said the very same thing? Everybody? Well, my father used to have a quote that dealt with that sentence. Son? You're just going to have to learn that life's not fair. Right? How many of us grew up with that teaching in our lives? Every time we would say, that's not fair, there would be an adult saying, so-and-so, you need to learn that life is not fair. Today, we hear a parable 
about an interpretation of fairness. The landowner. He goes to the vineyard to work and it's supposedly, I'm assuming, harvest time. A time when there's lots of work and there's lots to be done. And he needs a workforce to come in and harvest his crop for him from the vineyard. So he goes down to the local market, to the local street where people hang out. They still do it today. It's a tradition that I used to see all the time when I'd drive to the north part of Amarillo. There was a place where people hung out, day workers hung out. And you would go and hire people for what you needed for the day. And you would go do your work and you would take them back there when you were through with them. It was the same thing in ancient times. So the landowners, I'm sure the landowner went and hired who he needed for the day. And he said, I will pay you one denarius. He made a contract with them. He said to them, this is what you're going to get. And then he did something odd. He went back at nine o'clock. He went back at noon. He went back at three o'clock. And he even went back at five o'clock. Work was over at six. They worked from six to six. Do you count those many times that he went? He went and he hired new workers every time, agreeing to pay them what was fair. Not, not a numerical value, nothing. He just went and he kept getting more and more and more. And it, and it questions me to, to wonder, Jesus, when you were talking about this, was his harvest so great that he needed that many workers? Was the harvest so big for the landowner that he just needed more and more workers? Or is the parable about the workers and not about the harvest? Is it about that there's so many people out there who need and want to be loved by God that no hour is too late? No hour is too late. The landowner going all those times to go and pick people up. And he always asked this question. Why are you not working? To me, that's a question that we as people of God, we have to think about why aren't we in relationship with God? Why aren't we intimate with the Christ? Are we working for the mission of God in our lives? Or are we afraid... Somebody else is doing more work or we're not doing enough work or somebody else might get to heaven before for us. I made a joke about somebody the other day and the person I was talking to said, yeah, but they're going to have a bigger mansion. and It's going to be sitting right next to yours when we get to heaven. And my response was it better not be because <laughs> we were joking about somebody. But the truth is we 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 as human beings even treat righteousness as a weighted issue, don't we? Somebody's more holy than somebody. Somebody wears a robe. Somebody wears a stole. Somebody does work in the mission. Somebody's down on the streets. Somebody's always preaching. We want to judge people in their righteousness. It's the same thing the workers in the vineyard did. The landowner came and he hired them all at different times because the landowner had one thing in mind. Getting the harvest in and taking care of the workers. But mostly taking care of of the workers. It's what God looks at us. God looks at us and wants us to be in that intimate relationship. 
How many of you have friends that are like the 11th hour workers? Always late to whatever you go to. I mean, you miss half the party if you're late, right? I mean, I used to love to go to sporting events. And here's why. When I go to a sporting event, I get there. I mean, I'm first in line if I can be. Because I like to sit in the stands where there's nobody in there. And I like to watch it build. I like to see two or three people join and four or five people join and hundreds and then thousands and then thousands upon thousands. And all of a sudden you're at the crescendo and they're telling you to stand for the national anthem and for a moment of prayer. And then you play the school songs and bam. But it builds. I'm one of those people. I want to see the whole show, but there's people that come in after the first quarter. There's people that come in at halftime. And I'm like, what are you doing? You've missed half the show. And I judge them. And and how unfair for the team because their fans don't show up in time. But also how unfair for the person who paid for your ticket. You're not going to get the full value. You need to get the full meal deal. But you know what God says? I don't care if you're here the 11th hour or the first hour. You're going to get the same love and the same grace. That's offered to everyone. Don't we get too caught up in judging one another? Not just our righteousness, but our equality in the world. I mean, this, this week we lost a, a force on the Supreme Court. And I'm not a big political person or anything. But Supreme Justice Ginsburg was a force for equality. She was a four, she was once to ask, I love this. She was once to ask, do you think, how many women do you think should be on the Supreme Court? She said, oh, it would be good if we got to nine. There's only nine Supreme Court justices. It would be good if we only got, to, and, and, and the person who interviewed her was taken back. And Supreme Justice Ginsburg looked at her and said, there was nothing wrong with nine men. So why shouldn't we have nine women? You see, God looks at the world the same way. That we're all created equal, and God offers love to each and every one of us. God asks us that question, why aren't you working? Why aren't you in relationship? Why aren't you sharing the gospel with other people? How many excuses do we come up with? I'm busy. I'm raising kids. I'm chasing the career ladder. I don't have time for that. Oh, I'll be there on Sunday morning, but I don't have time the rest of the week. I got to make a living. I got to take care of my family. I got to take care of my grandkids. I mean, we can make more excuses to not be in relationship with God. And the whole time, God keeps coming back. I've often wondered when reading this parable, if the people who were picked up at the 11th hour were there at the first hour. And they just didn't choose to go thinking that a better deal might come along. We encountered that a lot in Amarillo. We would go and whenever we needed work done around the church or somebody's house or something like that, we would go and hire two or three people to help us. And one of the questions they always ask, do you know what the question was? What's it pay? What's it pay? And they would make a decision whether they came or they went. Do we do God that way? Are we a person who's there at the first hour? We've heard about Jesus since we were a little bitty, and we might have even committed our life and been baptized, but we've kind of put it on the back burner. 
because it doesn't pay enough. Because it's too hard. Because I might have to give a little bit of who I am to the effort of the harvest. And somebody else might get a higher seat in heaven than I do because they get more stars in their crown than I do. And I just can't keep up with them. Because I put people on a pedestal. I, put, I judge people by how they go to church when they're in Sunday school, how often they're in the pews, what they do out in the public. I'm that kind of person, right? I mean, we do that all the time. Oh, she's the most holiest person, right? Oh, he's so good. He, have you ever seen him at his house? He's certainly not a holy person at his house. I mean, let's be real with one another. None of us, none of us deserve what God offers us. But God is willing to offer it to us flat across the board. Those of you who accepted Jesus first, first time you heard about Jesus and you live passionately for the Christ, praise be to God. But there are some people that are going to receive Christ on their deathbed. And they're going to be your neighbor in heaven. They're going to be standing on the pew singing the choruses just like you are. Because God loves them as much as God loves you. And it's fair for God. Because we're not the judge. We're not the one who created it. Because Jesus started the parable like this. He doesn't say life on earth is like this. He said the kingdom of heaven. So if we're going to frame this parable and we're going to look at it with all real fairness, we need to look at the character of the landowner. That's the message to us. No matter whether we're the first hour people or whether we're the 11th hour people, the character of the landowner never changes. The landowner continuously offers opportunity to people to come and work, to come and be in relationship, to come, to come, to come. Continually goes back time and time. How many landowners go at the 11th hour to hire more workers? I mean, what do you do in the last hour of your work day? Eh, we're putting up the files, we're closing down the computers, we're praying the phone doesn't ring, you know? We're, we're wrapping it up, right? The last hour of the day, everybody's coasting. It's almost 5 o'clock, everybody's standing at the door. One thing they said about the staff at First Christian Church, there was a guy who came in one time, he came in right at closing time. And he said, I'll tell you one thing about this church and this church staff. And I said, what's that? And he said, come quick and calm, they're passionate, just like a covey of quail, they're gone. Aren't we like that in the 11th hour? Not God. God's all about you, no matter what hour. And the funny thing is that we as Christians think it's unfair. That someone might get more grace than we do. And we want to judge one another. But do you know what we do? In fact, we just did it. If, if we're seeing God move like that and God's in reality working like that in our lives and offering what we think is unfair to other people, we pray for that. Every week we pray for that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. As it is, where? In heaven. You see, we as Christians come together as the body of Christ, and there's nothing more that we want than for the kingdom of heaven to be alive on earth. What does that mean? It means we're all equal. There's no longer barriers between class, 
There are no rich and no poor. There are no black and white, brown, whatever color you want to call humanity. We're all equal. And we pray for it every week, but when it starts to happen, we push back. We become grumbly like the workers at the end of the day. I've even heard this in the recent times as we've struggled with racial equality in this world. I've heard people say, why should I change? Or, oh, we've been talking about that forever. It's not ever going to change. And they begin to complain because the kingdom of heaven is trying to act itself out on earth. And even good Christian people are pushing back against that. There's a university that I love, and they're struggling with a tradition in their, in their university. And because some people are claiming that that tradition ties back to racial ties, to oppression of um, minority races. And they're struggling, and, and I've even almost had that same thought of, oh, come on, it's just a tradition, right? I mean, been doing it since the inception. It, and then, if you really dig into the situation, and you listen to the case presented pro and con, you see that it really is oppressive. It really is oppressive. It really does support white supremacy. It really does support white privilege. And if we're going to be the people of God in today's time, and we want to help harvest in this world, how can we not help bring racial equality? I mean, I watched their video. I, I clicked on the video because I kind of had that question mark in my mind. Really? And I watched the video, and you know, the video laid the case out. And you know what? It needs to change. It needs to change. And there's lots of things in this world that need to change, particularly our understanding of what God wants from us. God wants us to treat all people equally, to love all people as we have been loved by God. Not by your brother, not by your mother, not by your father, not by your sister, but by God. How have you been loved by God? When you said yes to that commitment with God, did God judge you? Or did God pour out grace to you and give you the same pay that even our forefathers in the faith received? God give you that same promise that there will be a day when you will sit in eternity and you will see Jesus face to face. That's the same thing that our ancestors had. It's the same promise. It's the same love. It's the same grace. Because see, God doesn't talk to us in a way that says, oh, so you're high and mighty in society. You're going you're gonna to have, have my ear. I'm, I'm going to talk to you. Oh, but you who are lowly and lowly, y'all just stay over there. It'll be okay. Things will get better. No, God, God looks at us in the eye and says, you know what? I formed you in your mother's womb. And there hasn't been a second of your day, a second of your life that I haven't cared for you. Whether you came to me in the first hour of your understanding or the 11th hour of your understanding, I have always owned the land. You get that? I have always owned the land. 
And it doesn't matter which crop we're harvesting this year or which year of the harvest it is. I have always loved you. And I love the part of the parable when the grumpiness comes. Any of y'all know people who are grumpy? Oh, come on. You mean we worked all day and they're going to get the same pay we did? Huh? You know people like that? I mean, it doesn't exist around here, but do you know people like that? And the landowner doesn't say, look, slave, just be glad you got to work today. Right? Does he say that? Hey, migrant worker, just be glad you got a place. Hey, you who live across the tracks, just be glad you got somewhere to go. You know what he says? He calls them friend. Friend. And in ancient times, to use that word, that's a term of intimacy. That's a term of relationship. If you call someone friend, you've laid aside all other things. You don't look at them because of their gender. You don't look at them because of their social status. You don't look at them from where they're from. You don't look at them about how much money they make. You don't look at them for anything except being an individual created by God. Friend. I wonder, because I hear people say this all the time. I have lots of acquaintances, but I don't have many friends. I have lots of acquaintances, but I don't have many friends. The landowner in the parable that day didn't choose to just have one friend. He chose to include everybody as his friend. I wonder if we as Christians who are loved by God and created by God and have God's presence in our life all the time, Realize how important we are to God and how important God wants us to see everyone else in the world. The biggest barrier you and I have about being friends is whether we can trust one another. It's the truth. Think about your closest friends. Think about the ones you would leave your family with. Now think about the ones you won't. What's the difference? You don't trust the ones you won't. God says, if we're all in relationship together, it's not ours to judge. We're all included at the table. The wages will be the same whether you come first or you come last. And you will always, always hold the title as friend. You will always be included in God's intimate circle because you were created by God. So I wonder. When you leave here, will you take account of your friends? Or will you expand the circle 
and be generous to everyone so that you'll leave a lasting impression. Amen? Amen. If you looked at that circle of friends, how many of them would